Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them, would you please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And the Bible study today is entitled, Singles Matter. It is a Bible study on the topic of singleness. When we think of families, it's easy to jump right to it, right? We can immediately think, well, you know, husbands and wives and children, grandkids and kids. Why? Because that's typically how families have been defined, a lot of people are living in that type of family right now among us. You're, you're married, you have kids, you have grandkids. But as we've learned in our time together, biblical families come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And perhaps the most popular family unit that is overlooked, neglected, and ignored is singleness. Singleness. I want you to consider for a second singleness. And as we begin to consider singleness, let me just start by saying, you that are single today listening to me, you are important to God. And you are a real family unit in the eyes of God. Singles in the church and in the world today matter. And singleness is a lot more prevalent than we give it credit. While not everyone will be married, everyone is or has been single. I want you to consider that. When you, think of, when you think of marriage, not everyone in the room right now is married. Not everyone will be married. But all of us, even if we are married in this moment, all of us, every single person has experienced and lived a form of singleness. Not everyone will be married, but everyone has lived in a season of singleness. Now, some of you are in your 20s or 30s and you haven't been married before. Others are a little older, perhaps even younger. Maybe among us, few among us are divorced. For you, for some, singleness is a very tender subject for a variety of painful reasons, including widowhood and widowers among us. But it is a common thread. We either have been or are single. So whether you're single, divorced, or widowed, Singleness is a real, invaluable, important role in the lives of our culture and the life of this church in particular. And when you carefully study the Bible, you'll be shocked and surprised to consider that many of the men and women God used in the Bible were single at the time they were used. It was in their single season that God chose to raise them up and elevate them into a place of ministry and use in his hands. And I want you to consider this, if you've never considered this before. Jesus Christ himself lived his entire life as a single man. And of course, God the Father using Jesus Christ in great, amazing ways. So let me start, as we kind of lay this out, let me start with an apology. An apology. For those of you that are single, please forgive us. Forgive those of us in the church, forgive our culture, or whomever it may have been that makes it sound like you're unimportant. And I know our society is greatly structured around couples and relationships, and you can even feel that at times within the church structure. But singleness is just as valid in your relationship status as marriage is. You're not less, and you're not unimportant, 
You're vital. Singleness is a blessing from God. Just as much as marriage is a blessing, your season of singleness is too. And might I add, to those of you that are married, please stop, and I say it with please, but I say it in its affirmative. Please stop prodding, teasing, questioning, or even making fun of your single friends. Whether they tell you or not, it hurts. It's not fun to receive that and to have that come at them all the time. Now, of course, if conversations come up mutually, enjoy the conversation with your single friend. But usually it's, it's a, the other way around where it's just, it seems as if the only way you relate to your single friend is by their singleness. But we have to understand that singleness is not your identity. Neither is marriage your identity. Your identity is by, by faith in Jesus Christ. You are a follower of him. Understand something, you have to be careful not to make your status in life your identity. The most important critical relationship in life is not with someone else, but rather with God, learning to abide in Christ. And that relationship must be solid first before you'll ever have a right relationship with another man or another woman. Singleness is a gift from God, a place and a position of great importance. Notice with me in chapter 7, verse 7, it says, For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Now, when we think of spiritual gifts, we immediately think of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, but now this gift of singleness or singleness is mentioned as a gift. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Based on the people that I speak to, singleness for many is one of those gifts that most people don't want. They don't want. And yet singleness is a privileged place for anyone in that season today. So here in chapter 7, we're going to go back up to verse 1. Paul the Apostle, in writing to the church in Corinth, is going to tackle the topic of singleness. And it's in its entirety. We're not going to cover the chapter today because we simply don't have time. But I have taught through verse by verse through 1 Corinthians 7. Those studies are available up on the app or on our website that you can listen to in depth as we break down these verses. We will have some selected passages here in this chapter, but I do want to address verses 1 and 2 in a moment. In chapter 6 now, you have Paul dealing with sexual immorality. They had some questions. Because sexual immorality was so rampant and popular, even celebrated, marriage was being undermined. And a lot of confusion over the value of singleness and the place of singleness in the church, the value of marriage, the power of self-control was all being mixed together. Now when we think of the letter here in the Bible, and I think it's true for any part of the Bible, but let's just take Corinthians for a second here. You know, we're separated by a couple thousand years of time. So culturally, things are radically different than they were in the first century. This particular letter in the Bible was written in the first century, in the first hundred years. There's debate whether it was in the 60s or the 50s uh, in uh, the first century, but you know, whenever it was written, we've got a couple thousand years separating us. However, you'd be surprised, even though a couple thousand years had passed, how similar the culture was that, to what we have today. So you think, oh, you know, I'm reading the Bible, and how does it relate to me? Oh my goodness, anybody that ever says that has never read the Bible. Like the Bible is incredibly relevant for today. 
And, and notice, there's some things, if you're taking notes, I want you to know that were happening then that are happening now that muddy the water when it comes to singleness. Number one, marriage was not clearly defined in the first century Rome. Marriage was not clearly defined. There were all sorts of arrangements that were referred to as marriage, living together, forced relationship, homosexual relationships, marriages by sale, uh, Roman ceremonies. I mean, there was so much going on. Like today, like if you were to mention the, the word marriage in the first century, they wouldn't exactly know what you're talking about. And today it's very similar. If you talk about marriage, you've got to very, be very careful in defining what you mean. Even sometimes if you say biblical marriage, you still have to define what you mean. I mean, we're at the point right now where the definition of marriage needs to include one biological male with one biological female for one life created in the image of God. Otherwise, it'll be all mixed up even in our culture. Number two, during the first century, singleness was either devalued or seen as something super spiritual. There was this strong belief among some that if you really wanted to be spiritual, then you should remain single forever. You should remain celibate forever. Actually, actually, this view is still with us today. It is a false view. A false view, it, it, it's, it's something that religions, the religions of man, impose upon leaders even today. You'd be familiar with it, those of you that are familiar with the religious system known as Roman Catholicism. This man-made, unbiblical system of religion that imposes upon their priesthood a false vow of celibacy. And geez, just open your eyes and see what it does and the kind of sin that it creates. It's horrific. It's not biblical. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And then check this out. This is verse three of uh, 1 Timothy 4. It says, forbidding to marry. That will be a part of a religious system, forbidding to marry. And it's not from the Lord. Singleness is good and is glorious, but forbidding to marry is not good and not biblical. Number three, another thing that was happening then that's happening now was a strong humanistic feminist stream of thinking. It was in Rome, it was in Corinth, and it's here with us today. Women were leaving their God-given design to assert themselves in ways that were detrimental to their God-defined relationships. They simply refused to marry and refused to bear children, and thus marriage was undermined by both men and women, and women were getting together with women and asserting, it was just, it was this sense of rebellion, not just among men, but also among women. And then fourth, sexual immorality and sin was very popular and very approved. And I mean, to me, that, that, that phrase could be the banner over our I mean, if we looked right now, if we pulled out our phones and um, put some popular website, that would be it. Sexual immorality is the way to go. Just do whatever you want. There are, no, there are no limits. The culture was primarily then and now and any quote unquote, anything goes society. So men went from woman to woman with a high divorce rate. Records from then show that some within Roman empire recorded as having as many as 28 divorces. 
28 divorces, even among the Jews. And the religious Jewish people, they got caught up in culture. They had different schools of thought as it related to divorce and commitment, where some rabbis said, yeah, you can divorce your wife for any reason. And other rabbis would say, no, you don't do that at all, what the Bible says. And doesn't that sound like the pulpit today? Among churches today, it's the same thing. It's unfortunate, but you could have somebody stand behind a pulpit like this, call themselves a church, and propagate and teach things that are absolutely not from the Bible, where you would sit there and go, man, has that guy ever opened their Bible? Like, that is not, like, with one verse, with one simple verse in the Bible, you're like, are you serious? Open your Bible and read it. Don't let culture define for you how to live. Be defined by the Bible. So, With that in mind, we come to chapter 7, verse 1, and this is what Paul writes to that culture and our culture, the Holy Spirit, today. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. So that's an interesting phraseology, sometimes in the old King James and the new King James, the phraseology doesn't quite capture the original language, the Greek language of the New Testament. So let me read it to you from the New Living Translation because I think they do a better job. Here's what it says in the NLT. Now, about the questions that you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. So we learn a few things about singleness in this section that I want to give to you. Number one, number one, we learn that celibacy, or you could say singleness, is okay. It is okay. You are in a good position if you are single today. It is okay to be single. Or you could say it this way, there's nothing wrong with singleness. It's not a commandment. There's no commandment to say you must remain single but it is okay if you are. It's okay and proper and right if it, in your singleness you remain sexually pure. And that should be relieving to you that are singles, especially those of you who believe that singleness is where God has you or you look back and where God has had you for a while. Because here's what happens. You know, the difficulty is, is that in your station in life, you're like, I, I don't like this, I don't want this, and you become impatient. And so the word is, don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you, so use it for the glory of God. Because there is that pressure sometimes to get married. Because everyone has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion about your life. It seems like everyone has the opinion, more opinions about your life than they have about their own life. So everybody has an opinion about your singleness. But I want you to know this. Even though we all have an opinion about your singleness, only God's opinion matters. And God's opinion for you right now is it's okay for you to be single. That is a good, privileged place for you. It's okay. Number two, notice in verse two, it says, nevertheless, or back in the NLT, but because. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality. So number two, we we learn here that singleness is okay, but there is temptation. As a single person, you have a heightened sensitivity to sexual temptation because you don't have marriage as the God-given outlet for those desires. Everyone can't be single because 
the desire can become so strong. The temptation towards sexual sin can be strong that marriage is the way out. So, number one, we learn it's okay to be single. Number two, we learn it's okay to marry. That is a proper direction for life. No one should ever attempt a way of life that deliberately places her, he or she into the line of temptation. Like nobody should ever purposely live their life and go, well, you know what? Uh, some, some pastor told me one day that I have to be single the rest of my life. They prophesied over my life or whatever. And so there you are now listening to man and then put yourself in a position where temptation is so bad that you're just living in sin all the time. That's not wise. I mean, a more practical way of looking at that would be something like this. You know, you've been delivered from a life of addiction. Uh, you were a drunkard, a drug abuser, or whatever. And you're like, you know what? I'm saved. I got saved last week. And I'm going to go back to the bar and share the gospel with all my friends. That's probably not a wise idea. It's probably not time for you to go back to the bar. For some of you, you'll never be able to go back to the bar because it's such a heightened level of temptation for you. So we learn in 1 Corinthians 7 that Paul says it's okay to be single and it's okay to marry. Sexual sin and temptation can be so hard that properly committing to marriage can be a good decision. Notice verse 8 again. He says in chapter 7, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Paul knew singleness was good for him. Paul knew that. He lived it out. Singleness became a tool in his life where he took the gospel. He was a church planner. He traveled a lot. He says, you know, I wish everyone could enjoy the kind of life that I have for the gospel. He doesn't use it like, you know, you don't like your marriage, get out of it. And he doesn't use it like, you know, use it for your own personal selfishness. No, he says, when it comes to my relationship with God, singleness has been very good for me, and I wish you all could experience it. But, verse 9... If you can't exercise self-control, then let them marry, because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul knew singleness was good for him, but he also knew it wasn't good for everyone. It wasn't good for everyone. Now let me just say at this passage of scripture, as a pastor, I have met over the years Many men and women that have used these verses as the foundation of their quickie marriage. And you'll talk to them and they'll go, well, you know, we were just burning with passion, burning with passion. We had to get married. Sometimes I've even met those that would use this as a foundation for marriage and, then, and completely neglect premarital counseling. Or even more so, you, you have a couple that's in the midst of premarital counseling, and usually, this is not exclusive, but I just want to give you the word so you can be warned, usually it's the guy that says, no, 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 we can't make it, can't handle it, we don't need premarital, I love you, let's just go get married, instead of exercising self-control. Listen, if you can exercise self-control, I'm sure you can do it for three or four or five more months, men primarily, but some of you ladies as well, you exercise self-control, go through premarital counseling, and you know what you may find out? You may find out in premarital counseling you shouldn't get married at all. Nobody wants to hear that. It's like, well, no. I, I, no, premarital counseling could reveal things to you that you're not as compatible as you think you are because you're caught up in emotion and you're caught up in liking each other and, and the newness of relationship. And then you, you factor in this burning with passion and you go, well, Ed, it says right here, I can get married if I burn with passion. Yeah, but that's not the highest level. That's not the highest level. It is an outlet and a consideration 
But whenever this verse comes up in your life or your conversation, would you please consult someone that can talk to you about it and talk you through it? Because I'll tell you what, you'll have these guys, they'll come, you know, you'll see them and, you know, maybe they even bought premarital counseling packet last week and they come back next week and, and they come up for a prayer afterwards and, and one of them says, look what I have. And I'm like, what is that? Oh, we got married last week. You got married last week? Yeah, you know, burning in passion and such. And I'm like, really? Okay. And they want me to be excited with them and I can't. I can't be excited for them. I mean, it's great that they got married, but like, what do you mean you guys, you guys were sent down with a pastor? What, what do you mean we were talking through that? What do you, we, man, and so, you know, and, and I'll look them in the eye most likely and I'll say, yeah, we really need to pray for you. Because the foundation of your marriage, I mean, and a lot of times it's somebody that's older that's already been through a marriage and it's just like, listen, I know what, I know what this says and I understand it, just don't misinterpret it. Let somebody sort it out because if you're at this place, it's better to marry than burn with passion. You can't exercise self-control. If you can't exercise self-control, church, listen, there's a definition for that. The definition is this. You are in the flesh because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So just let somebody sort it out. We can't lord over you. We're not going to tell you whether you should get married or not. Like It's not our decision. So don't ever expect that from us. We can't tell you what... I don't know what God's will is for you, but I can help you process the events of your life so you can pray through and get the answer you're looking, through, looking for from God. Because ultimately, it's your decision. And listen, any one of you, maybe you're like listening, oh my gosh, that's me, Ed. That's me, that's me, that's me. Well, you know what? We pray blessings on your marriage. We want it to succeed. We want it to go all the way. We want you to thrive. Just understand that there may be some things that you entered in that you need to dissemble and reassemble in order to make it, in order to have a solid, strong foundation. You don't, I, here's the simple way. I just spent a lot of sentences to say this. You don't want lust to be the foundation of your marriage. It won't last. Because anyone will tell you that's married, marriage is hard work. I can just set you guys up. I didn't get it last night either. That's an opportunity to say amen. So I'm going to do it again. You guys don't want the foundation of your marriage to be lust. No, no, no. That's the wrong point. Let me finish. Let me work with you. You don't want the foundation of your marriage to be lust because marriage is hard work. <laughs> you guys, we'll learn one day. But it is good to laugh and chuckle a little bit because this is such a serious matter. And it's, it's not an opinion. I mean, as a pastor, I wish, I, had, I wish as a shepherd, an under-shepherd of Jesus, we never had to deal with difficult things, but that seems like all we deal with. Because the Bible couldn't be clearer, except that this, you could come to the wrong conclusion. Certainly, you don't want to live in sexual sin. But then, you know, you, you do get into sexual sin. You go, oh, now we need to get married. No, 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 no. Don't jump to conclusions. Repent of your sin. Reset and see what God wants to do in your life. See what God wants to do in your life. Notice in verse 25 now, chapter 7, verse 25. Now concerning virgins, and this could also be single ladies, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. 
Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though as they had none. And those who weep as though they did not weep. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world not, as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. Verse 4, 32. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that what she may be holy in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Here's his conclusion, verse 35. This I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So when it comes to singleness, we have to remember the singular purpose of singleness is to serve the Lord. That's the singular purpose. I mean, in totality, there is a purpose in our lives to serve the Lord, those of us that are married, but there are complications when marriage enters in. There are more challenges. And so those that are single have an advantage over those that aren't single in serving the Lord. I know you may not see it that way, you may not even feel that way, but the Bible couldn't be clearer. There are advantages to singleness that married couples do not have. And there's at least two reasons to value this decision, of this, to value the place you are in singleness. God's sovereign decision for you to be single in this season of your life is for at least two reasons. One, freedom, and two, to have no distractions that you get to serve with an element of freedom that married couples don't have and less distractions that married couples don't have. Those of you that are single can wholeheartedly devote yourself to the things of God. Singles, listen, the time you will soon invest in your spouse can right now be fully invested in Jesus. You have the choice today to invest all of your time thinking about, caring about, and serving the Lord. You can develop a way of life that we are unable to. That you can make a decision right now and not have one thought about what will my wife think. I wonder if she's okay if I leave. I wonder, now again, those of you that are single with kids as single parents, you do have an added burden and an added layer and an added consideration. So you need to understand that. But in the general sense of a single without kids, you don't have to worry about anything when you make a decision for the things of the Lord. You can just boom, do it. We even support a few uh, missionaries that if you talk to them, they even, they even have that thought of, I will be single the rest of my life because this is what God has called me to do. And they are unencumbered with having to think about what does my husband think? Or what does my wife think? All you need to be concerned about is what does the Lord think? And there is a tremendous benefit to that. Because, you know, whenever we talk about marrieds and singles, there's always those desires in the room. It's like, oh, you know, singles, singles. I want to be married. I want to be married. I've got to be married. And there is on occasion the married people that say, you know, I just wish I was single. Well, don't you be thinking like that. 
because you're supposed to stay in the place that you're at. But some of you married now, you realize that the years of your singleness were either wasted or truly enjoyed, where you were able to do things for the Lord very fast, very quick, without being concerned with a broader family unit. Singleness is a tremendous privilege in your life. I mean, I think of it in the context of our own church. In the life of our church, you guys that are singles, you can just go for it. I mean, so many of those of you that are single serve your heart out in this church. Why? Because you can. Because you can. This is the season. God, God has given you so much freedom and so little distractions because of your singleness. And even though singleness sometimes can be seen as a sad thing, it's not. You are free to serve the Lord. And there are people that miss out on being sold out in the kingdom of Jesus simply because for single people, they miss out because they bemoan their singleness. Married people miss out because of the new commitment they've made. They have to first consider their wife or their husband. I mean, you think about it, even in, in, in a simple illustration on my traveling and invitations, there are a lot of layers of consideration that I have to have before I can say yes. The very first one is with my wife. That's the very first one. That's the first person I'm going to ask and talk to about what's going on in our life, or whether this is going to fit, do you want to come with me? All of those types, like, I, that is my first thought. It's not my calendar, although my calendar can fit that because if, if it doesn't fit on my calendar, then I don't need to consider it at all. But I have to be considerate. I have to really think through. I can't just say, yes, I'm there. I'm gone. But for a single person, you have the ability to say yes much quicker. There are people that, are, that were single that kind of bemoan their singleness. Then they got married. Then they found out marriage is very different relationship and there's less freedom and more distractions and more difficult. Again, when it comes to serving God, this is what happens. There are people that have been called into ministry. There are people that have been called to missions or other opportunities to serve the Lord who then say, well, you know, I can't do it because, you know, we're getting married. I'm getting married and it's going to take us, you know, five years to plan the marriage. And so I can't do anything for five years. And then, and then you ask them, okay, I was at your ceremony. I saw you. You're back from your honeymoon. Let's serve the Lord. Oh, no, no, no. I can't serve the Lord now because now I'm married, you know, and I got to settle the home. And Okay, okay. So, so I'll give you a year and you come back a year. You want to serve the Lord? No, no, no. We have kids now. So we'll serve the Lord when the kids get out of diapers. Okay, I see your diapers are done. All right, what's next? Well, you know what? They got soccer and they got, okay, serve the Lord. When are you going to serve? Well, you know, when the kids go to call. Okay, now they're in college. Well, now I got to go visit the kids. And on and on you go. Before you know it, you're at the end of your life. And you go, what happened? Well, you got caught up in all of your station in life. You got caught up in all the activity in your life. And you get to the end of your life and you never really ever jumped in to the things of God. And it starts with the habits you develop as a single man and a single woman. I think of the short-term trips, you know, that we're taking and then more and more coming up. Those trips should be filled with single people. I mean, they should be filled. You know, you probably have job considerations and a few considerations, of course, being a responsible adult. But man, singles should be taken off. You guys should be catching the vision for missions and, and then maybe even being the next full-time missionaries. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Ed, I don't ever want to be a missionary or take a trip until I get married. That kind of mindset, you'll never go on a trip. It'll never happen. Because once you get married, now it's different. I'm telling you, it's different. 
Singles, embrace your life today. If marriage is in your future, serve the Lord without distraction today. If singleness is in your future, serve the Lord without distraction today. Because I know, you know, you get that sense where, like, when it comes to singleness, some of you feel like, well, I'll never get married. And that's a real emotion. That's real, never. But, you know, now you've just written off your entire life. You don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. You don't know what's happening. You don't know. But now that you think never, never, and now you're just so discouraged today, you're discouraged every day, you're discouraged, like never becomes a new distraction for you. You don't know. You might fall asleep like Adam and wake up and go, whoa, look what God has done. You don't know. Today is the day to serve the Lord. Let God deal with your future. Don't you worry about your future, Jesus said. Embrace the day and serve without distraction. Because I know singleness can be hard, I know you struggle with fears and anxieties, you have frustrations, even rejection and loneliness. Those are all real. But you are important to God. You're a real family unit in the eyes of God. And you that are single are important in this church, important in this world. Let me quote from the book I referenced earlier. Ben Stewart, he writes, time is short. Our relationship with God matters far more than anything else in this life. So God ordained singleness so that we might be able to focus entirely on the one we were made by and for. Let me say that again. Our relationship with God matters far more than anything else in life. So God ordains singleness so that we might be able to focus entirely on the one we were made by and for. So Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to make real these truths in the lives of your church. Forgive us for belittling or looking down on the singles in our church, God. May it not be so among us. But also I pray for the singles that have just been, just been wasting their life and not embracing the call that you have in their life. And I pray for the hurt that they carry or the fear or the anxiety or the difficulty. Maybe they had a breakup and it's made them very cautious or they had a situation that's hurt them greatly or it's just been difficult because whatever reason, I pray you'd comfort and encourage them and strengthen them in this station of life. That as married folks, we wouldn't look down on them, think we're better, but also as singles, we wouldn't look down on married, but together as the family, the body of Christ, We would lock shields together and move forward, serving you with the freedoms that you have entrusted to us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.